Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Ferndale Pride is one of the earlier celebrations in the Metro Detroit area. This year, because of a COVID-19 pandemic, the celebration has tentatively been rescheduled for September 26th. Joining us today is Ferndale Pride Executive Director, Julia Music. Music has been active in the Ferndale community since she was 16 years old. When she had to decide where she was going to settle after college, she says, Her two choices were Somewhere Warm and Ferndale. Fortunately, Ferndale won out. Julia has served on the Ferndale Community Foundation, ran the Taste of Ferndale fundraiser, and helped start Ferndale Pride. In 2019, she was unanimously appointed to fill a temporary seat on the Ferndale City Council. But Ferndale Pride is her heart. Ferndale Pride filled a void left in the community when Motor City Pride moved to downtown Detroit. It strives to recognize and promote pride for the LGBTQIA and ally communities, working with resident, businesses, community groups, and all segments of the community. Each year, after the celebration's expenses are paid, Ferndale Pride disperses grant monies to five local charities. To date, almost $200,000 in grants have been dispersed. Recipients have included the Ferndale Community Foundation, Affirmations, Gender Identity Network Alliance, Matrix Mac Health, Transgender Detroit, and Transgender Michigan. Julia? Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? Um, well, you know, I appear to be a very social person because I go out a lot and <laughs> um, I'm pretty active. Um, but most of my work that I do, I actually do completely isolated. So I haven't really had a dramatic change um, as far as pride goes, I spend a lot of time behind my computer in my office upstairs at my house working, and it's pretty much the same same for now. The only thing that's a little bit different is um, we have a lot of fundraisers at bars and clubs and um, places where we can do arts and crafts and games, and all of those things have been canceled. Um, so I'm missing seeing my community, but I'm seeing them online a lot. Yeah, because, you know, like, you're a Ferndale a child of Ferndale. Ferndale is your home. You know, you're a big part of it. And I was reading where you started to be involved in community as early as 16. What was the first thing that you did? 
<laughs> I know it was like yesterday. <laughs> I know. Um, so uh, I believe I was 16 when I started working with MAGIC, Michigan Jewish AIDS Coalition, um, which was an organization that taught HIV AIDS prevention to mostly synagogues, but also um, organizations and church groups. And um, that's where I really started. And then when I became an adult and moved out of the house, I started working with AIDS Walk Detroit on their board and um, ended up not only working on the board, but also volunteering about 20 to 30 hours per week, especially in the summers when I wasn't teaching. Um, loved working on AIDS Walk Detroit, but as time went on, um, I was pulled into the Ferndale Community Foundation and started volunteering there pretty heavily. We worked on something called Taste of Ferndale. And as Taste of Ferndale kind of went out of fashion and um, Motor City Pride decided to move, there were four of us who, we, we kind of felt a void in Ferndale. You know, Ferndale itself has a lot of LGBT uh, bars and restaurants and people will say, where is the gay bar in Ferndale? But pretty much any bar you go into, you right. feel pretty comfortable as a gay person. Mm -hmm. So... It was a huge void for the city. And so at that time, Craig Covey, Monica Mills, Greg Pollocka, and myself were like, well, we should do something about this. And within two months, we came up with three marches throughout Ferndale. And then it kind of just took off from there and um, kept building and building to the street fair level and then becoming known as a national event and an international event. And um, and now here we are. It, it's been 10 years. You know, it's funny that you're from Ferndale. I mean, you know, Ferndale is home for you. You know, I've talked to Dave Coulter and he, you know, he, there's something about Ferndale. Like he said, you know. He was from further east, and he says, you know, something about Ferndale is just right. And I know that although it's like got a lot of things going on, but there's something about Ferndale that's that that you you feel like community. You see people who you know regularly walking around. What is it? I mean, and you've been in Ferndale. You haven't moved out. You know, you haven't, you know, said, well, let me look at. You know, Ferndale is your home. You really invested in that city. What is it about Ferndale that speaks to you? Well, I actually, I grew up in Huntington Woods, um, and then around middle school time, my parent, my mom changed her job, and she ended up out in West Bloomfield teaching there. So I, I graduated from West Bloomfield High, and that's where I do my, my teaching work. Um, but when, um, when I was selecting a place to live, there was two choices somewhere warm or ferndale there were no other choices <laughs> mm -hmm. on the list mm -hmm. um if i had to be cold i wanted to be cold in michigan in ferndale um it has always felt like home to me and i think a big part of that is affirmations community center when i was 16 years old i had already been out for four years um so as soon as i got my license i was driving down to affirmations because that's where I could find other LGBT people who are comfortable with talking about being um, gay. And so I just was here all the time. And then when I moved here, it became kind of instant. It was like you, I knew my neighbors and my neighbors 
daughter who's graduating this year used to just run into my house and open my fridge and say, what are you making for dinner? Can I stay? And it, and it was always yes. You know, we just were such a, it was such a strong community feel. And then once Pride came along, we started really building this, this different type of Pride Festival. Um, it, it just took over. Like we, mm-hmm. we, everything about it feels so natural if I'm ever feeling down in the dumps all I have to do is walk down nine mile road and I just feel the energy of Ferndale I see those friendly faces like you were saying and um and it's just such a special place I think when when you mentioned Dave Coulter what's cool what was cool about Dave and some mayors prior to him and and our current mayor is that um if a citizen says I want to do this thing and the thing is not outrageous the thing raises um raises a good feeling for the community helps fundraise for charity the answer is how can we support you Mm. and so um that has been a really good situation for me because i'm really good at saying i want to do this thing i need a little bit of support how do i get there um rather than this is what we want you to do and that that for me is very difficult you know i think that too you know when I knew, like back in the day when Craig Covey was, was mayor, it was like, as far as coming out, being out, it was like, here is this city, and they have this gay mayor, and but but he was gay and the mayor, but he was the mayor of Ferndale, you know what I mean? So it wasn't just like, you oh, well, he could, we had to have a little gay community, and that's the only place he could be. He was the mayor of Ferndale, and there's something about that too that sort of says saying something about the community as you walk up and down the street that it has this history of where members of the lgbtq community are citizens i mean you know they're recognized they're accepted it isn't like you know well we're on the left side of the street and you're on the right it's just something nice about that yeah you know it's not just it's not even just the city. Our clubs and organizations, our Elks Club, for example, is very, very gay friendly. We have transgender members. We are very active in all communities. Yeah, everybody here brings something to the table, and that's respected. And, and I really enjoy that about the city. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've been on the board of Affirmations more than once. I was on it when it was in the the building down the street. And then as we built the new building, and there's something about, and I often tell people it reminds me of like, there's something about having a bricks and mortar that place that presence in your city, which sort of says something about it. Because I often was telling people I was also on the board of HRC when they opened that building and how where pretty soon it got to the point where people you just knew that there was a place that you you belonged, you went, you were represented. And it was the same with affirmations when they're, here's this building, it, which sort of said to me, we're not fooling around about this, you know? This is us, this is where you can come. And I have been there and had someone from another city who was just like, heard about Ferndale, was walking on, saw affirmations and came in and was like, wow, you know, it's a place. Do you still find that affirmations and Ferndale if you come to you know it's like still like 
the heart in some ways of our LGBTQ community since we don't really have like a quote-unquote gayberhood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and affirmations um, for me was like a, a place to be safe and I think it really still stands as that way today for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that that's, I'm, I'm 99.9% sure that that's where I first met you. <laughs> was that, was that <laughs> affirmations, you know. So you've been, you're a part of the community last fall. I mean, you know, and we're going to talk a lot about pride, but you became part of the system. You were, you became part of city council. How did that feel? And is it something you ever imagined? Um, well, <laughs> it was very, it, it was pretty unexpected. Um, I kind of, I, I, I've attended a lot more council meetings than I think a regular everyday citizens gone to um part of that is to promote the pride festival but i'm also just a very interested citizen in what's going on and um i tend not to get nervous when i have to speak in front of crowds since i do it a lot yeah i don't think i've ever been more nervous than that day Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was trembling and I, i read my speech of why i thought i should be in city council and um raylon leaks may was the first person to speak and she didn't name a person that she was talking about. And she said, you know, this person's service goes back so far and there were people whose service went back further. So I was pretty shocked, um, to be appointed. Um, and the day I was appointed, um, just like every city council person deals with that first request came to to me and it was can we get a, a ordinance against conversion therapy um, set up for Ferndale and I went I, I said well we've got you know in just a few months let's do it and so we we got the the verbiage together and luckily I was working with Dennis Whitey um, another council member and he said you know we can make this a crime if someone inflicts this torture onto another human being we can have a fine set but we can also have some jail time set aside Mm. for them and so we made it a very strict law um and we that was probably one of the proudest things i was able to accomplish in in those few months there um now people just assume that i'm a politician but i don't know if it's something i'll do in the in the future um for now i've said my son needs to be out of high school for mm-hmm. any to even occur again because it did take it takes a lot of time <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think people realize we read about I think it, the smallest packet they sent me was about 200 pages for the week so it's a lot of reading mm-hmm. and it's a lot of legal reading wow but did you, did you ever <laughs> see yourself I mean you passed something that stopped not only stopped condemned conversion therapy but you know somebody could go to jail I mean that had to have been like amazing first of all but did you ever you know you're involved in the community you're vocal you know I'm surprised that you were speechless <laughs> you know, because I mean you you know don't seem to be like at a lack for words but here you did something I mean which is historic and whether or not you ever go back into politics you're, you're behind that how does that feel and, and you know did you go like, wow, did you pinch yourself? Um, 
there were moments where I was going, okay, this this is, you know, I think you get, I guess the easiest thing to say is really there's so much work to do. It's hard to kind of sit and float in that space. Like, you know, there's there was a week where there was a 600-page packet. Wow. <laughs> so it's like you, you just got to kind of go head first into it. Um, but that particular ordinance, um, once we passed it, having other councils, um, other individuals from other councils come forward and say, we want to do the same thing here. How do we do this? Can we can we borrow some of your verbiage? Um, that's really the important thing because unfortunately, the way our governments run and the way things have gone for us lately is we have to have cities going after these types of crimes and then we have to have states and hopefully it'll become a national law because it is so dangerous um there's so many people that i know who have gone through conversion therapy and have lasting damage that Mm -hmm. they talk about pretty openly um and those are the people who survive it because as you know and i know a lot of people choose to kill themselves Mm -hmm. or um or fall into such deep depression that they can't be part of society from that type of therapy. And I hate the word therapy involved with it because I, mean, I love therapy. therapy. <laughs> I'm, a therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm a therapy goer. This is, it's psychological torture is what mm-hmm. it really is. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, you mentioned, you know, your son, you're waiting for him to get it, but you know, you're a parent and that's, that's what people like. You hear people will talk about, you know, you know, gay families and everything, you're doing the same thing that everyone else is. You you know, you have to make these decisions. Should you do the politics? Should you wait till after he's like in college or, or decides what path he's going to take? And now you two are at home and you have to do everything that, you know, any other parent does. So it's just amazing to me why there's so much angst amongst, you know, non-queer people about our families. But when you were doing this, are you thinking legacy for your son? Like to have him growing up in a city where everyone has a voice, where we're visible, where they condemn conversion torture. Does that ever cross your mind, the lessons, the legacy that you're leaving for him? Um, One thing that really kind of stood out to me so far um well there's a there's a lot of things because he he is pretty involved with what i do um i personally um did not know a transgender person until i was 16 years old and that's when i met rachel Mm -hmm. and luckily she changed my life and and introduced me to so many amazing people but my son knew somebody when he was three and a half years old and it was a peer and that is that really has kind of shaped who he is. He talks about pronouns. He talks about respecting people. Um, he understood, you know, we had a friend have surgery that was very extensive and the, the friend was in pain. And so he asked, can I just send a picture of my smiling face every day oh. to make him feel better? Mm-hmm. Um, so those types of things, um, I really hope are impactful for him and his friends. Um, it's it's really interesting to me that he gets to go to school um, where they have a GSA at his school and they um, you know if he says this is my mom and my stepmom and puts us in a picture together it's not 
uncommon. It's not unusual. It's not disrespected. In fact, it's just been a good thing for him. And mm-hmm. so um, it's really cool to see kids growing up with that type of opportunity because I don't know if I had, if I had grown up in a home with gay parents, if I would have been as safe as he is with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love that. And I also love seeing his friends from school who, who know me want to talk about, you know, all sorts of things that, that they're interested in. Um, they know they have an adult that knows and cares and, um, and their parents are very open to asking questions and talking and, and getting to know parts of the community that they might not be aware about, aware of. So I think it, I think the change that I've seen in my lifetime is miraculous and wonderful. It's not over, but there's been a lot. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we're going to take our first break here and then we're going to talk about Ferndale pride. So we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back here on collections by Michelle Brown and I am so pleased to talk to Julia Music the queen the goddess of Ferndale Pride <laughs> you know I went to Fern I went to when it was um Michigan Pride not Michigan Motor, Motor City Motor Pride City. you know and even after Motor City Pride moved downtown which you know I th- I thought made sense I did that but I, I, it's not pride if I don't come to Ferndale. There's still that something about that. I know that when in Motor City Pride was in Ferndale, that was the first place where I just felt like in heaven to walk around, you know, talk about being here and queer. I mean, it was just like heaven. You were there at the beginning, and when you saw, you you started to talk a little bit about when Motor City Pride moved downtown, the vision the reason why there was going to be a Ferndale Pride and I know there was pushback from some people in the community you know how did you feel about that and why did you stick to your guns well um I think the void was so big for so many of us that it was kind of easy to say um we need to do something now the way that we proceeded um, was not exactly the way I wanted. Um, I was outvoted on a few things. Um, I would have no. liked to see us go. <laughs> I would have liked to see us go a different week the first year out the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
we, you know, now I have a, a really good relationship, working relationship with Dave Waite. So we call each other and say, when's your date? When's your date? We double check and make sure we're not overlapping. Um, it, it just, it felt so necessary in our city. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the first year when you set something up and you, you, you publicize it, you do everything you can do it's really hard to get picked up by the news or the newspapers or the radio. And, and all I could think is what if no one shows up? What if no one shows up? And then about a thousand people showed up and we were so ecstatic that Mm -hmm. somebody showed up, um, you know, and now a thousand people would be very upsetting because we we get closer to 20,000 people throughout the weekend. But, um, it's, it was pretty awesome to see, that it wasn't just LGBT people, it was so many of the ally communities saying, what can we do to make this happen for your community? Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a huge shift. It wasn't just the PFLAG parents, which I'm not saying that 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 group is not amazing, but it was my peers who didn't have LGBT kids who said, how do we support you? And that that was a huge shift. You know, I think that that's the thing that, that why, I wanted to continue to come to Ferndale because, you know, and it's when you go to Motor City Pride, yes, we're all there and it's like a super huge family reunion on steroids, you know, (laughs) but every day we walk through life amongst everyone and at Ferndale Pride, you felt the love from the allies, the businesses, you know, people who were walking t- through, you would see young queer kids bringing their straight parents, and, and it was like, this was the first time they had been down there. It was just like, it felt like what you hoped long-term the world would be, where we are just one community. Yeah, I do agree with that, and it's it's interesting for me, because I don't, I see the event through the lens of, here's a problem, I need to solve it, smiles on my face no one knows there's a problem but at the end of the night around 1 a.m everything's broken down everyone's everyone from my crew's gone home I usually stop by somewhere and have one beverage (laughs) you know last year I think I got through half a beverage before I said I'm too tired I have to go home but um I always look around and there's nobody I, I recognize by that time of night. Most of the Ferndale people are, are home. And I just started asking people, where are you from? You know, where did you come here from? And it's surprising to hear where they've come from all over the country. Quite frankly, I've met people from um, Arizona and Pittsburgh and all over. Um, but also the people who are like, well, I came here from Southfield and this is the one day that I get to be out a year. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is is really impactful that there are people living that are our neighbors that are not out every single day of their lives and we get to provide this experience that says hey you know this is a livable way to be and our city embraces it so if you'd like to to um be out more you have some options you have affirmations to support you you have uh, restaurants that are going to be supportive. You have places to go, and and that's the special part of Ferndale. Mm-hmm. How has it evolved since that first year? Well, we went from only marches. Mm-hmm. Then we were able to get half a street closure. Then um, 
as we got bigger, we were able to do a full street closure. Um, we performed the first legal marriages at a pride festival in Michigan. Um, we then, and some of these things kind of overlap, but mm-hmm. we're not just a street fair anymore. So we have a, a interfaith religious ceremony um, that's very well attended. We get about, well, it's been standing room only the last two years. We're actually, we're going to stay in affirmations with that event, but um, possibly shift the space a little bit. Um, we have an art fest, uh, art opening that happens in correlation with Pride. We have STI testing during the, the festival. Uh, last year, I met a woman named Liz who said, you know, my daughter has grown up in Ferndale, grew up uh, as an out lesbian, and I want to give back to the community now. Can I start doing a free hug giveaway? Mm. And she took that and ran with it. So now we have our own... Um, troop of about 100 people who give out hugs but also listen to people and and provide some some um, a listening ear but then also can provide referrals for more counseling if someone's in need um, we have on-site counseling we have suicide prevention um, so the growth has been just huge as far as what we we can do for people um, and and I mean that's kind of the idea is that you know, I can't do it all by myself. I definitely am very thankful to the, the 12 volunteers on our board, but then also the 100 volunteers that show up on the day of the event. But there are things that I've never thought of. You know, an interface ceremony mm-hmm. never came into my consciousness. And then all of a sudden it was there when someone said, I'd like to do this. And so now we can support, support that event. Um, sober space adding that area too was a huge um a huge undertaking as far as getting that making sure i could find someone with some community buy-in and mark mcmillan um really has stepped forward to to get that community buy-in um so this year the plan originally when pride was supposed to be like a week from now was Mm -hmm. we were going to have our first ever sober bar um or non-alcohol serving bar on the rooftop of affirmations. So um, we keep evolving with with the times as they, they change. You know, and I think that's true. It's like there's services that you can, you know, you can find out if you're looking to support, they're, they're out there. But, you know, like if you're trying to get information, you can get that. But there's also arts. There's great entertainment. There's food. And there's a lot yeah. of fun. I mean, you know... How do you, and but it always seems like a great balance of things. How do you figure out, you know, all right, should we expand a little more, or this is enough, or do we, we're heavy, too heavy on services, but not enough on this? How do you get that balance? Well, <laughs> um, I, I try my best to really, I spend a lot of time thinking about pride, um, thinking about what it looks like on both on the, the footprint, but also how we can service the community and um, and so that we can strike that balance. Um, and a lot of it is also listening to the community. People come to me with ideas all the time. Um, and there are times where, no, that doesn't quite work for us. And there's, there's some reasons why, but um, much of the time, there is there is a way to to add on and to um, to create that growth. Um, it, it's just 
I don't, I don't know exactly how I do it. I just know that that's how my brain functions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that my, I have a lot of energy to give to the, the festival. And that, um, and, I'm, and you know, oh, when sorry, it's very ahead. family, I love that, you know, you'll see people, they'll have the wagon, the wagon with the kids in it, you know, the dogs walking beside them. You know, the cat population is underrepresented. I'm just saying that as a cat mama. But, I mean, it is so, it's a family place where not only our families can be out and about, but it's like if you wanted to introduce your family, like they accept you, but they don't know about that gay community, you can come and say, hey, come look. This is what our families look look like. You know, I'm sure that that was also a conscious decision to keep it very family oriented. I think you know it's it's a double edged sword with the um, alcohol laws in Michigan. A lot of people think we should you know quarter off the streets completely and allow alcohol to be on the streets. Um, I think our businesses would be pretty upset with us if we did that. But not having alcohol on the streets really does allow families to have a space to walk around with children and and give them some security of you know the the people who want to drink are in the bars and and there is some space for those people to to have their party with alcohol but then our families can walk around and feel like they're safe with their children um blue cross blue shield has been great about helping us with an art project every year we've brought in the rock wall we brought in games um affirmations does a prom for ages 13 to 20 um and and so those things are really important um but another event organizer in the city who we talk to each other a lot because um you know there's not many of us in this town so um i think she said to me i bring my family to pride because if my children want to come out to me i never want them to have a moment where they don't think that's okay Mm. and so that is a really interesting way of looking at life like you know it's not like I, I brought my child here because they said they were gay it was that if they want to say they're gay it's always going to be in the realm of okay and so I thought that was a really interesting way to approach life and and I'm glad to see people are doing that <laughs> mm-hmm. so you know things were going I mean you know it seems like like you said you might have your your drink that one night and talk to it but it seems like the next morning, you're planning for the next year. I mean, you're—I mean, you've probably already started to, but you're like at, at full speed planning for the next year. I know that you were—you were doing that. I know you've had events, and then this hits. This this COVID nineteen pandemic hits. What did you do? What was your first thought besides, oh, holy crap, you know? Well. You know, it was first mentioned at a special events committee, like, and at that point, I didn't really know what the the virus was. I thought, wait a minute, you guys are talking about, like, a basic flu, right? Like, I had no idea what they were talking about. Um, Just because I don't know why I had been listening to news or something at that time. And so then, you know, as a teacher, when you hear schools are closed and closed for a long period of time that was pretty shocking and then as I started to see community members um, get sick and um, I'll tell you I've seen way too many people get sick from this virus Mm -hmm. Um, 
it, it became really apparent that there was no way we could have an event in May. Um, and we started working pretty quickly with the city to see if we could reschedule. And we hope for September of like, the numbers are just so high in this area. Mm-hmm. And I have watched um, some really strong young people get very sick from this and spend time on ventilators and in comas. And then, you know, they're 55, 60 days out of the virus and they're still very weak. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty concerned. Um, I'm hoping that there's a vaccine very, very shortly in our, in our history of time. But, um, I, it's, it's, it's devastating quite frankly. Um, and I don't know when or how we're going to be able to have these types of events where people come together because this virus just spreads so easily. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on a Zoom call. <laughs> no, no, actually, and it was before it was like when it was really starting. And um, and it was with people from across the country. And one of the things that, that came up early was, well, what about this pride? And you started to hear one city after another saying, oh, well, we're going to have to cancel. We're not going to be able to do this. And it seemed like there was a moment on this call where we had to have like a group session because everybody was just sort of like not only hitting them the severity of this pandemic, but also that loss of time with our community everywhere and it was sweeping across there was it wasn't like you're going to be able to get in the car and drive to Toledo and get your pride on there was not going to be prides particularly in June have you heard from community people and how are they dealing with it what are you saying to them to like you know just like you said well we're hoping in September but what are you you saying to people because for you just mentioned earlier how for some people you know this is it, you know, this is when you can come out and be out and there. What are you hearing from people and how do you, how do you try to, to, to help them get through this? Um, you know, it, as June comes along, the, we heard from a teenager who was upset because they feel like pride's gone and this was going to be their first pride as a teenager. So we started a contest that's going to start um, about a week before June 1st. It's on Facebook, on our Ferndale Pride Facebook. Um, And that is a house decorating contest. So people can decorate their homes inside or out in any way they want, Um, submit pictures, and we have prizes. And we're going to be distributing prizes within, I think it was a 20-mile radius. So pretty pretty big area but we can have people participate from all over the world actually um because we wanted to make sure that some rainbow flags and and our trans flags are up and it's looking like for now around here um so that's that's one thing is is to keep that visibility going um but it's it's really hard because i mean no community well i can't say no community but our our community knows really well what a health crisis looks like we've been through it and we know what a, having a huge number of people lost in our community looks like because the AIDS quilt is a really amazing representation of what happened mm-hmm. to devastate our community um, and so now it's how do we protect our community from this how do we make sure that 
food boxes are going out to LGBT people and people who are just generally at higher risk because of who we are. Um, and, you know, affirmations and menjos have really helped fill the void with food. Um, but we also have a church in Ferndale who's open and affirming to everyone who's been distributing food, Renaissance Vineyard Church. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing, I think we're all kind of in that, like, how do we keep basic services going to people um, mode? And that's kind of where we need to be right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, how are you handling it? I mean, you know, you said like, you know, you think about pride all the time. How did, when it really sunk into you, like, you know, not this year. I mean, not not when we expect it, and possibly not this year. How do you, you know, being always in pride mode, did you immediately go, well, if we can't do it this year, next year we'll do this or that? And you always have like, and it's more than just those few you know, coming down and walking around in Ferndale, there's a lot of events that you have. What what crossed your mind? How are you keeping your pride going? Well, your I pride think I fever. Went a, <laughs> I went through a little bit of denial of, well, maybe this won't be so bad. Maybe this disease isn't going to kill people. Maybe people won't go on ventilators. You know, I kind of went through that in my mind. Um, and then as it became more apparent, that denial just, that it slipped away. And I said to myself, you know, this pride to me is like a giant puzzle that I put together every year. And I said, okay, you just got to move those puzzle pieces. And so we started call, I started making the calls, you know, porta potty people, the, um, the rock wall people, all the, the organization or all the different parts of pride, you know, first informing them of, if we move the date, here's what it's going to be. Can you work with us? And then, um, you know, it, it only took one student saying, my grandfather just died of COVID mm. for me to say, okay, you cannot spend one moment feeling bad for yourself about this situation. We have kids who are losing their parents and their grandparents. We have, um, you know, hospitals overflowing, hospital staff saying all the time, like, I, I am at my I'm at my wit's end. Like this is so hard. You know I can't ha- I can't sit around and have any type of pity party. I got to do what we need to do for our community, keep us as safe as we can, and and continue to figure out how we can fight for our rights. And and right now that's that's getting that petition that you that you saw and you were circulating mm-hmm. up to help um, protect us against job loss or. Um, I'm sorry, unfair firing for being LGBT. Mm -hmm. Um, That's in the forefront of my mind. That Amy Stevens case, as it comes to um, decision time, will be in the forefront of my mind. And and kind of reshifting the focus, because the festival is not really the most important thing. The most important thing is LGBT people being able to live out and proud and safe. That's right. That's right, to continue. You know, I mean, we've accomplished so much, but there's still so much yet to accomplish and you know and a hostile I mean let's be honest I mean there's a sort of a hostile environment it's not like where we had so much to celebrate and so many good things continue to go on to where now we're fighting for our basic rights and having rights taken care of taken away from us by this current administration that we have to you know stay vigilant, stay on it. And I think that 
that is also one of the things that pride does i mean because you have a different organizations but we do have you know organizations signing petitions talking about issues and that and it's great that one that petition is able to go online where we're able to do it but there's just like so much work yet to be done yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people thought when marriage went through that we had solved the world's problems. <laughs> and I was looking at it like, well, you know, I, at that point I, in time, I was a divorced person with nobody on the horizon to marry. And all I could think was, you know, tomorrow I could walk into my job and they could say, we're sick of having an out person on our staff. You're fired. Mm-hmm. And I would have no recourse for that firing. It would be completely legal. And to me, that that's a very big civil rights issue and we we need to i'm hoping that we're able to get the vote through and and take care of our rights that way because having people fired who are good employees who work hard who provide exactly what all other employees are expected to provide should not be fired because they're lgbt it just shouldn't be and unfortunately in michigan right now it is you know despite it all though i mean you know you haven't kept a low profile and you continue, you know, really, you know, I mean, you're out here, you're working on this, you're doing this. I mean, what do you say to people who, who would say like, well, I just couldn't do what you do. You know, how do you encourage them to find their safe space to live out and proud? You know, I don't expect people to be like me, but to be how sometimes just by walking your truth and someone seeing you who might have questions about LGBTQ people by just by sitting at the cubicle next to you, you know, at a safe distance in your mask and gloves, you know, (laughs) uh, how do you, how do you encourage people, you know, if they don't have this like jump off of a pride or something, you know, that just every day you can be you. And that sometimes in its own way, being you and being out is enough to make change. You know, it it really truly is. And it's hard because, you know, there are people, especially in in the younger community that will message me and say, you know, I'm scared to come out to my parents and I I don't want to yet. And, And we talk about, you know, is it safe? Is it time to talk to your parents? Do you have friends you can talk to? Do you have other family? So trying to find how they're going to build what I call the family, which is mm-hmm. like your LGBT people that become your family. Um, and also find some family members within your own family that are going to be accepting. Um, for a lot of people, I think without without a pride festival, that, that is a difficult challenge. But Affirmations is running their groups. Um, community centers across the country actually are. So if you don't want to be involved with maybe right where you live or you're a little bit hesitant to jump off into a community where you might be recognized, we now have Zoom meetings all across the country where a person can participate. Um, but the most important thing, I think, is for a person to know that they're not alone. Um, there are other people like them in the world and that what they are thinking and feeling is completely valid. And those were not always messages that we grew up with. Um, And luckily there are enough adults now that are out that young people can look up to them and say, 
that teacher was an awesome teacher, but they were also my first gay person that I was allowed to talk to. Or um, I knew that this person that over at the restaurant um, that I went to was LGBT affirming. Or when I went into the candlelit shop, I saw their rainbow flag hanging. Those are all those things I think will help kind of, I think they, those things kind of put like a bandaid on for this year's festival mm-hmm. um, pushback. Mm-hmm. Um, just making sure we have those role models out there. Because like when I came out, all I knew was Jeff Montgomery was an out mm-hmm. person and at his partner was murdered. So those were my, that was kind of my perception of the gay world. And then I started to meet Sean Kozlowski and um, go to affirmations. And then finally Ellen came out and then I started meeting other LGBT people at affirmations. And it was like, the world changed, but that world hasn't changed for every person yet. And um, we have to be, especially I think in Ferndale, this area, we get a little like, oh, this is just how it is. But then I meet, you know, a kid from Bath, Michigan, and they're like, what are you talking about? You get to hold hands with your fiance walking down the street. You know, it's just interesting to see how some parts of the state a person could not be safe. And so mm-hmm. we have to just provide that role model. Mm-hmm. Okay, Richard, we're going to take our second break, and then we're going to talk about a little bit more about Ferndale Pride. So we'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. here with Julia Music talking about Ferndale Pride. You know, prior to your appointment to Ferndale's council, you dispersed grant monies from Ferndale Pride to five local charities. I mean, that is just like, you know, people often go like, where's the money go? Where's money? You dispersed, it was like, was it um, $20,000 totally? It was actually more than that last year, wow. and I, I don't have the number right in front of me, but I know in the 10 years, we've crossed over the $200,000 mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Craig Covey started the festival, one of his things was, how can we raise money for charity? That's always always was a Craig Covey um, way of doing events. And so um, that's what we've been doing. And so affirmations transgender Detroit, transgender Michigan, Gender Identity Network, um, Ferndale Community Foundation have, and yeah, and Matrix Mac Health, so six last mm-hmm. year, received funding 
Um, and we make those funds unrestricted because we know that a lot of grants are restricted and that makes it very difficult to pay staff or pay a light bill. Um, and so we make those unrestricted grants for them to use to build their own um, organizations or, or do what they want to do. Ferndale Community Foundation, um, which is uh, who we run our nonprofit through, is a really interesting organization because what they do is they give away micro grants within our community. So if somebody in Ferndale has a 501c3 or has wants to start a project under their 501c3, um, Ferndale Community, Community Foundation is a place where they can receive a grant to start that. And we've started um, organizations such as Fern Care, which is a free clinic in mm-hmm. Ferndale. Um, so it's a really cool thing that we do. Wow. And now this year, what is Candle Wick Shop? What is their role? And what are the other businesses that have stepped up and, and support Ferndale Pride? So Candle Wick Shop is our number one sponsor for three years in a row now. Wow. They are a, a candle making company um, and they sell um, witchcraft and um, spiritual items um there they were founded by two women who have their factory in ferndale but also one of their two storefronts in ferndale and um they they i would like to say they're just they just write the check but that is so not true they are awesome um phoenix from from their um, company actually does all of our it jackie has served as a mentor to me and has helped us in like hundreds of ways and even their daughter Rebecca at times I had a meeting and she's like I'll babysit Quinn for free Um, so like their whole family really cares about the event um live Ferndale which is our marijuana dispensary came through with a big check this year and is doing a huge fundraiser for us right now um thoughts and prayers which is a circuit party has been instrumental in helping us with fundraising in fact we have a fundraiser this Friday um on zoom which we have on our facebook page and our and our our website um that's going to help us raise some money to keep the pride festival going um and and then so many so many bars and restaurants rosie o'grady's bobcat bonnie's um just a slew of places help us put on the event because something that's very important to us is that if you are a millionaire or you don't have a penny to your name, you can walk into our event for free. Mm-hmm. That is something that we feel brings actual equality. And um, every single person is welcome to come to our event for free because of our sponsors. Uh, how did you, how did it, this relationship with Candlewick, how did that happen? Um, well, Jackie is very involved in the city of Ferndale. She's she's one of the two owners of Candlewick. She's on the board of the DDA. Um, she spon- they sponsor a lot of events. And um, Jackie said to me one day, you know, she, she is in a biracial, biracial marriage. And she said, at one time in life, my marriage was illegal. Mm-hmm. And then I look around and I see other people who are following it, having that same type of oppression. And I don't stand for that. And so I want to make things right in the world. And she really follows through with that. Wow. That is just amazing. That is just really amazing. So what kind of, okay, during this period of time, 
what kind of virtual events or are you are you doing and is also part of the reason to continue to do these things so that Ferndale Pride can continue next year to give to these organizations? Yes, and also, you know, we we do have a lot of things that we've we've paid out already. We have a lot of bills that we covered. Um, we are really good at paying our bills up front, um, which was not the best benefit for us this year. Um, but, you know, we do want to keep those relationships good. So we, we have some events coming up. Um, this weekend, we have our dance party. Um which will be an online fundraiser on Friday. It goes from 9.30 to 2 a.m. And um, we have three DJs um, spinning. So we have um, DJ Jason Mishla, who's DJ Jace, who's from Detroit. He owns Thoughts and Prayers and has been instrumental in helping us raise money for Pride. Um, Dan Slater, who is from Chicago, and Danny Brazil, who's from Brazil, um, mm. spinning night long and um we actually had to purchase an expanded zoom account for this so we can have up to a thousand people at that event at one time um and then we are setting up a uh, a fundraiser with the dynamic duo which um the dynamic duo sings they sing show tunes and a lot of disney so it will be like a brunch you set up your brunch at home they'll play the tunes they take requests and then um, if you're like me and love to sing but are horrible at doing it, you get to spare an entire room of hearing it. So <laughs> my, I can only torture my family um, with that one. And then, of course, I have applied for the – there has been one one grant that we qualified for, so I did apply for that as well. Mm-hmm. Now, in looking on your page, um, you have uh, an event called We're Home and We Are Here. That starts yeah. on May 26th to June 2nd. What? It's an online event, but what is that about? So we're homework here. Um, that came from that teenage girl that's upset about Pride um, being canceled or being postponed. So um, you decorate your home however you want, um, and that can be any rainbow combination that you're into. Whatever your thing is, go for it um, and take some pictures post them in the event and then we'll be picking some winners heroes and villains have stepped up with some prizes and we're trying to gather some other prizes as well um but we want to pick some top winners of this contest but also really make sure the sec- the city looks decorated and like ferndale during june so we want to get everyone to dust off those rainbow flags iron them please and put them out <laughs> now are there different categories are there like for residences and businesses or, you know, that you can win on? We haven't actually, because we are kind of gathering prizes and trying to make those connections virtually, we haven't come up with the categories or the prizes um, completely yet. Um, but that that is in the works. <laughs> that is in the works. Um, hopefully, we're looking at, we're hoping businesses are completely open by then and we can have some business um awards normally our dda does a window decorating contest and they actually give a cash prize to the businesses that win um last year modern natural baby donated their cash prize back to ferndale pride so um, if you're if you're thinking about having a baby definitely check them out they are an amazing store if you have a little one in your life to buy um 
buy goodies for. They have an amazing LGBT book collection. Um, so hopefully we can bring back those window contests and things like that as well. Um, but for now, we're just kind of doing what we can with what we have. Okay. So if, okay, and we're keeping our fingers and toes and everything crossed that come sep- in September, you'll be able to do Ferndale Pride. How will it be different than what people are used to seeing? Um, well, the first thing is I, I've ordered a lot more hand sanitizer mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so that we can have more stations set up. Um, we will definitely be asking that everyone wear a mask and that they wear a mask properly, covering their nose and their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely going to be asking that no one hugs me that day because I am there all day and I become an epicenter of hugs which normally I love but if I'm covered in glitter and other people's colognes at the end of the day I can only imagine (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. with the virus what could happen so um, we're asking that people kind of try to maintain the distance Um, at this point we stopped accepting um, applications for more vendors um, and we would look at spreading vendors out a little bit more and asking vendors to be one or two maximum in a tent. A lot of times vendors like to bring six or seven people. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. We got to make sure that people have space. Um, that is kind of what we're looking at at this point, but you know, it's, it's hard to make a plan against an invisible enemy. And so we're doing our best to, to figure out, what is the feasibility of actually making this work? Um, our bars and restaurants hit capacity those days very quickly mm-hmm. with lines out the door. So how do we keep our, our people who keep us going all year safe? Oh. It's kind of in our head. And, and we're working with the city, we're working with the county, um, and we're following the state mandates as well to do that. Mm-hmm. How integral a part of the city of Ferndale event calendar, their DNA is having Ferndale pride. It's the city is very committed to Ferndale pride and we're very lucky. I mean, we have a rainbow flag in city chamber Mm -hmm. and in Ferndale. Um, The dedication from the city has been unbelievable. Almost every single city council member that has been on council has either volunteered or donated generously financially to the festival. Um, But beyond that, if if I need to talk to the mayor any time since I've been doing this, I can just say, I need to talk to you. And as soon as they are available and never the next day, they call. So this is something that the city holds valuable, supports, um, and I'm very fortunate that our event planner who sits, who works for the city, Michael Larry, has just been an amazing mentor as well. Um, he used to organize Motor City Pride, or he was on the board of Motor City Pride. So he, he is a really great mentor. So I, I couldn't have a more supportive place to have this event. <laughs> we will still be raising the rainbow flag in June at City Hall mm-hmm. with a distance between all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I know that Motor City Pride is going to do a virtual live event. Um, have you talked to them about how they're going for it in, in the event that maybe come September you go that way? Um, well, 
Dave and I talked a little bit, um, basically just about postponing. We haven't talked about the virtual event. Um, there are there are some frustrations with the virtual world of a limitation of a thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously get a lot more people than that. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we do something that that is impactful, um, keeps the momentum going with the charity fundraising, and keeps people safe. Mm-hmm. Those are our main main um, outlooks. But we haven't at this point. We're planning for an event. Wow. Uh, I am hoping, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed too, that there, that come September there will be event. So, as we're coming to the end, you know, what do people need to know if they want to? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, but you can always make a contribution to make sure that the funds get back to the community and to help offset the expenses that have already been paid. Um, I'm sure there's need for volunteers. People will want information. Short of finding you personally, <laughs> how how do people how do people stay in touch with what's going on with Ferndale Pride, so they know what's going on and how they can be engaged? Well, our Facebook page is very active, and so is our Instagram. So we're those are both. Um, Ferndale Pride. If you just look up Ferndale Pride, you'll find us. Um, FerndalePride.com is our website. There is a place you can donate. We have a Venmo. We have Square. We have lots of different ways to donate. Um, and we always take a good old-fashioned paper check or cash. Um, mm-hmm. And and um, we have sponsorship levels, but we we're happy to take a five-dollar donation as well. We we do we are missing a lot of those events that help us with the big donation push. Um, that we normally are able to do. So um, please check us out there, follow us there, um, interact with us on our Facebook and our Instagram. We love love that. Um, Tyler's on all the time talking to people and, and making sure people can stay engaged. Um, please come to our virtual parties and um, please continue to look for stuff from us because we are not in any way done. Oh, that's great. You know, that is it. I mean, and I think that, like I said, Ferndale Pride will always be special, you know, and I think that no matter if they all open up, but I, I, I'm really not hearing that, you know, I, I know Kalamazoo Pride has canceled. I mean, there's so many more. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself in June because June, every weekend I had a Pride to go to, you know, somewhere. Um, but we will get through this together and we are all still living our lives in pride together, just not in Ferndale, <laughs> just not in our usual places, but we're there for each other. Julia, I want to thank you for keeping that going, for all you do. I mean, one, I'm, I'm one of those people who want to hug you uh, at Ferndale Pride. I will be sending you virtual hugs every day until then and give you an air hug at Pride. Well, I appreciate that so much, Michelle, and I, I thank you so much for asking me to be on your show and everything you've done for the community. Um, I love hearing your poetry, so so please keep writing so I can keep hearing it. <laughs> I certainly will. Okay, well, um, enjoy the rest of your day. I want to thank you again for your time, and we will be watching and keep, keeping people updated on what's happening with Ferndale Pride on my page also. 
Thank you so much. Okay, have a good one. I want to thank my guest, Ferndale Pride Executive Director, Julia Music. This year, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Ferndale Pride celebration has tentatively been rescheduled for September 26th. The organization will be holding a number of virtual events and fundraisers prior to the September date. Each year, Ferndale Pride disperses grants monies to five local charity. In its 10-year history, Almost $200,000 in grants have been dispersed to recipients. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on Google Play Music, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.